Somebody right now may not be in complete isolation, but there are people planning, developing, using this opportunity to uh, figure some things out. Because while everyone else is scurried and trying to keep things the same, because they're not, then someone else has more aware to the opportunity and therefore exploring it. So when you think about awareness, exactly as you said, you, when you're not aware or you have those blind spots, you're not open to at least evaluating opportunities to learn from someone else or to see what's around you. And in times like this, blind spots cost you money, cost you time, cost you relationships, uh, may cost you election. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, when you look at how things went down. Uh, awareness uh, is important. Um, And I think that's where um, what you said is very important. But all of us go through those times of, for good or bad reasons, where we have those blind spots. We just have to be aware that we're going to have them and we get through it, drive through it faster or get, get out of those blind spots. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. So Winning Strategies Playbook Podcast. Uh, Listeners, if you're looking for information on the guests and download the episodes, you can go to myexperiencedrealtor.com, click on podcasts, and you'll be able to find our guests and learn more about them and how to get in touch with them or their businesses. And uh, today's guest is the great Kevin Davis. Jeremy, good morning. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Good to see you, man. Yeah, man. I I appreciate you coming. So I got to start. Appreciate you having me. Oh, yeah. I got to start every one of these off with a joke according to my father-in-law. Okay. Okay. And uh, and actually, it was really funny because I was Googling around for clean MBA jokes, and there really was not that many. (laughs) And then the ones that there were were really long, right? right? right, Because you got to put a lot of effort into them. (laughs) But I did find one. It said, um, everything's going smooth, question mark, right? You must have missed something and oh, the corporate struggle for perfection. <laughs> that joke was horrible. That was, that's, matter of fact, I, I, I might just have to key something in later. I, that one was just It was bad. a good attempt. It was, it was, it was right. Good, it was a good time. And it wasn't from a lack of searching on Google. No, I mean, no, no. Google not, usually, usually answers everything, right? I felt the effort. <laughs> <You> felt the <laughs> effort. <laughs> so for the listeners out right. there, um, I have to really give a proper introduction of Kevin Davis and who he is right. and what you mean to me is I keep two circles in my life. One of them has my professional sources of wealth manager, CPA, lawyer, private banker, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I have my advisory circle, which are five people that I unconditionally trust mm-hmm. that when I'm trying to figure something out and I need a different perspective that I know will never shoot me the wrong direction, Kevin Davis is one of the fave five, as I call it. Like the old T-Mobile commercial, remember that? Yeah, like yeah, you yeah, call yeah. those five people for free and now you just call everybody for free. And so I really appreciate the relationship I've had with you for 
eight or nine years? What do we, what do we got? Eight um, or nine years? Eight. Yeah, eight. Yeah, eight. Yeah, about yeah, 2012, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then my journey to where I, I came from to where I'm at, and you have played a large part in that. And I got to tell you, I really am grateful for everything. Oh, now, sometimes you, you, you see me calling and you're like, I'm going to be on the damn phone for the next four hours because he's not going <laughs> to shut up. And I do think like maybe two weeks ago that it was actually close to four hours. Uh, three, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good conversation. We yeah. talked about a lot. Yeah, we yeah. did. We'll talk, we some did. Of, talk about some of that today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll uh, say, well, thanks for the introduction. Yeah. But I would say uh, equally, uh, you've had an impact on not only my life uh, professionally, uh, personally, but also for our program uh, at TCU, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but, uh, you know, having someone that has a type of commitment as you, the type of passion, but the support, um, you're a walking billboard, uh, you walk an example of what our program is about. Uh, you're a walking example of what could be possible if you uh, give a chance, give yourself a chance and invest in yourself. So when we'll talk about that as well. Oh, yeah. Well, let's yeah. start. Where where did the journey begin for Kevin Davis? You grew up in Chicago. Yeah. Yep. Which, by the way, and this is for the listeners, I love Chicago. Right. And my closest friend I was in the Marines with was from Chicago. So when okay, we first got that. out of the Marines. Okay. I never told you that? No, no, no. How do I? Man, I must talk Maybe. so much that I miss things. <laughs> Of course, you know, and you never know right. what's going to come out of my right. mouth anyways, right? And, uh, no comments. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of it like takes me back to whenever we first entered the program and we get the, uh, uh, the, the, the survey for the uh -huh. competencies. Right. And right. then you have the, you know, the f competence, the 35 competencies are in one of four categories. You know, the things you knew you were good at, the right. things you knew you were not good at, the things that, you didn't think you were good at. Everybody else thinks right. you were good at. And exactly. then the, I was really proud of myself, but not everybody thinks so category. <laughs> and so sitting next to, to, to Matt Houston throughout the entire program. Mm -hmm. uh, and at the time, he was president of the Black Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking mm -hmm. at the results. And I said, well, I'm really confused by two of these. And he goes, well, which two? And I said, well, it says my cultural agility is like almost at the complete top. But my cultural sensitivity is almost at the complete bottom, right? And we were, I think, in the, when we got the results, we were in the program by several weeks by then, right. and we mm -hmm. kind of got to know each other. And he goes, oh, yeah, he goes, man, I can, I can help break this down for you. He goes, basically, your cultural agility is you don't see gender, religion, color, nothing. I mean, everybody is exactly the same to you, no matter where they came from, who they are, or anything else. And I was like, well, that sounds like a good thing. And he was like, man, I can tell you, as a black guy growing up in Oak Cliff, I've never met a white guy like you before. <laughs> and I was like, yay, me. Right. And I said, well, what's the other one? He goes, oh, no, it don't make you – or what did, what did he say? He goes, it doesn't make you any less offensive. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you never know what's going to come out of your mouth. And he goes, a lot of times it's just to see the response on somebody's face. Right, right, right. And, uh, right. and man, I – Matt was just a, a, a good influence on me because I had Matt on one side and then I had one of the prettiest human beings on the planet, uh, Mike Field, on the other side <laughs> of me, right? And, and, and so uh, it was great. And then, That's funny. And then Matt being over in Dallas, you know, he would come stay with us on the weekends mm -hmm. uh, just so we didn't have to make your drive. Right. And I just – but that was part of the relationships that you got right. mm -hmm. out of this program. 
full of full of executives. But I I, I digress. I can come back to we'll get to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know me trying to keep between the ditches sometimes. But he uh, so when he when we first got out of the Marine Corps, man, and of course this was pre-9-11 flights were like $89 round trip. Right. He would call me on a Friday morning and be like, hey, let's go to a Cubs game. And then I would fly out, wouldn't have a bag, anything. We go to the Cubs game, probably to a lot of other establishments. And then the next day, wake up just completely hungover, and he'd drive me to the airport, and I'd fly back wearing the same damn thing that I wore the day before. Right, right. And then uh, we took our daughter to Chicago one year when she was very young. Mm-hmm. And we went to eat at a place called Pequot's Pizza. Okay. Which she absolutely fell in love with. And so now, anytime we travel mm. and our daughter's with us, she says, Can you get a connection flight through Chicago <laughs> where we <laughs> will we'll try right. to get like a five, six hour layover right. so we can land and get some pizza. jump the train, go, go get that pizza, <laughs> and then come back and catch our flight going wherever we're going. So Chicago has always had a special place in my heart, yeah. right? Yeah, no, home is great. Um, yeah, I, start, I grew up in Chicago. Yeah. Um, was, uh, there through, um, <clears throat> uh, after I graduated from undergrad, went back and moved home. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, my story, uh, really is about being only. I grew up only child. So uh, just me and my parents, uh, I have only child. <laughs> uh, so, um, I was, uh, the only person when I went to grad school, I went to University of Illinois for undergrad and went to any university, the arch enemy, uh, <laughs> at least in basketball for grad school. Uh, and then uh, I was only uh, minority, ethnic minority student that wasn't there on scholarship. So they admitted me based on my credentials, but yet um, they said, we don't have more scholarships available. Would you still come? And I said, yeah, I would. And uh, because I had made a commitment to myself that I would go back to school. Actually, my mom said to me, uh, Asked, first question she asked me when I said I got accepted was, how are you going to pay for it? Not congratulations. <laughs> not, hey, I'm so happy for you. But how are you going to pay for it? Because she's looking at me like, okay, well, you expect me to do this? You expect me, my, your dad to do this? No. Or you expect both of us to do something? And I said, I'm going to borrow the money. Yeah. And she said, really? I said, yeah. And then I said with such confidence and so quickly, she, that was the last time we ever talked about it. But that was a commitment I made to myself that that's where I wanted to go. That's what I wanted to do. Um, then I went to, um, moved to Texas, which we'll get into that. Uh, that wasn't, that wasn't in the plan because actually <laughs> University of Texas was one of the other universities I applied to. And I said, I just can't see myself living in Texas. Yeah. Uh, and then next thing you know, I had two job offers to go from Indiana to Texas. So obviously I came here, um, and worked, uh, at Sabre. Uh, which was at the time a uh, division of AMR Corporation, the holding company for American Airlines, and worked in travel technology for about 10 years. When I was there, I was the uh, ended up being the only African-American executive at a Fortune 500 company at age 34, 35. That's young. So, you know, all of a sudden, and I didn't know I was the only one until I walked into a all-hands executive meeting, global meeting at DFW <laughs> Airport. You know, now I knew, but I didn't know. So let me right. let me put that in the context. I knew that the other two, because it was three of us at one point, one passed away, had a heart attack, uh, unfortunately, and the other one uh, took a package and left. So I knew that. But then the visual of walking to the meeting where all the VPs and above were there, and then I looked in the room and I was the only one. Now, 
growing up only child, being in other situations, I was the only one, being in engineering class at the University of Illinois and being the only black guy or black person in the room. Uh, I'm used to it, but then that was the time where it just, it hit me a different way because all of a sudden it was a different type of responsibility. I was the one that was carrying the mantle for all the rest of the employees. I was the only one in the room when that was in those discussions, but I was only 34, 35. So, you know, I, you know I'm still young, you know, at least in my career. So that was that. But then um, at that same time, I was the only guy on my leadership team. So all my direct reports were women. <laughs> it just kind of worked out that way. And all of a sudden, when I would walk in the room with them, uh, everyone, because everyone else didn't look like that, you know, although Sabre was really pretty diverse when it came to gender, uh, but not an entire team, uh, particularly uh, given what we did. Because I also, at that age, had responsibility for $40 million, $40 million in product investment, which is about, you know, 20% of all that was spent uh, annually for that business unit. Uh, so I had a lot of responsibility, uh, not only from a business standpoint, but also for what I represented. Um, but then, uh, somehow after being a top performer and all that, then, uh, all of a sudden they took my stripes away. Um, all of a sudden I was, uh, said, Hey, we want to move you into a special project. You know, a special project uh, <laughs> doesn't always mean you're special. Right. Um, it's like a broom closet. Right. <laughs> and it, right. Exactly. Right. It wasn't about performance, more about opportunity where they wanted to move someone else into the opportunity and move me out. Um, but still being only African-American executive, then that may have been the reason why they moved me sideways. But then at the, a year later, they gave me an opportunity to do something else. They said, hey, Kevin, what do you want to do? So I gave them six choices. And then they came back with number seven. And number seven was a demotion. Was a demotion? A demotion. Never had a bad performance review. Nothing of that sort. Uh, always top performer. But yet, that was what was offered. Say, hey, you know, if you move over here, you get sales experience. Well, I said, well, I've been out selling with folks all this time, you know, because none of the salespeople were adept at talking about the product portfolio I, I managed. So, therefore, I had that experience, but yet that's what was offered to me. So, the other option was, you know, door number two was to lead a company. So, took a package and moved on. Around that same time, uh, I had started my own business. So, um, had uh, launched that on the side, um, had been planning to say, okay, well, well, I'll do this and, and work here. Or, But I knew that this was headed in the direction that was leading me out as opposed to in. So it was an option that I created. So that's something else we'll get into a little bit later. Um, but yet, um, then in leaving Sabre and starting my own business, then um, one of the first clients I had was working with TCU in the new school of business. Um, I had targeted business schools as a place to help uh, in, the, in my business to help uh, people manage their career and develop their leadership skills. Because, again, they may end up being 34, 35 and being the only one in the room <laughs> <laughs> like I was. So, therefore, I wanted to uh, give back. But also, I saw an opportunity where I enjoyed it because while I was at Sabre, one of the things I did well and I really enjoyed is I mentored a lot of of the younger professionals that came to the company, uh, even some of those, some people who were even older than me. Uh, but yet I had, you know, had, was a VP and they were saying, okay, how do I move up? 
sometimes it was a conversation with someone new about where's the bathroom and who should I talk to about this? And then other people's like, okay, I'm ready to make a move and I may lead a company. What do you think I'm going to do? And having that type of conversation. Um, while I was working at Sabre, I found out that people actually got paid to do that uh, as opposed to doing it for free. So when I left, that's what I did. Uh, and working with TCU and the New School of Business, I uh, start, first started working with the full-time MBA students and then also our PMBA students were in the evening on career, de career development and leadership development. And then I got a call a year later saying, hey, uh, our EMBA program is back in 2007. It's about to launch this uh, coaching program. Uh, where every student will have a coach. So would you be interested? So sure. You know, I didn't know much about the MBA program. I knew about full-time programs, but I didn't know much about the MBA program. But yet it was TCU, had a good relationship with the folks there. So let me do it. So I embarked upon um, doing, uh, doing being a coach in the program back in 2007. Actually, Michael Sheard was one of the students that I coached uh, back then. Uh, and make a long story short, fast forward two more years, two years later, um, the um, then associate director of student services said, hey, when I talked to all the coaches, hey, we're looking for someone to help me with recruiting and uh, to bring in new students. Well, uh, it was early 2009. Uh, business was, had been going well the first couple of years, but uh, a little recession happened. So I had a pipeline of business of about 210 grand that was outlined for 2009 uh, back in September, around Labor Day of 2008. That's what it looked like was going to happen for next year. By January 15th of the following year, it was down to five. Everything had dried up. So all of a sudden, I get this email saying, hey, we're looking for some help. Do you know anybody? I said, yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> so I put my hat in the ring and the rest is history. And then on March 15th of 2009, I started working with the TCU Neely Executive MBA program uh, doing admissions and recruiting. Um, uh, about a year and a half later, I joined the team full time. Uh, in uh, July 1st, 2010. And then um, probably about a year and a half after that, then I add the additional responsibility of alumni relations. So I uh, help bring in students to the program and then also the main point of contact with them as uh, alumni. So now going back to the only being part of my story, I am the only guy on the team. Um, I think we had one student worker back, in, two student workers back in the day that were guys. No, we talked to everyone. We talked to this. The second one, I actually hired him just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> but we got along really well, even though he, you know, he's from St. Louis and like the St. Louis Cardinals. And of course, we got into fights about that. But uh, but long and long short, we still talk today. But mo most of my career at, at TCU, I've been the only guy on the team. So I'm also um, I'm married with uh, and I have one child, as I mentioned before. She's a daughter and she's a she is a daughter. So I'm the only guy at home. Uh, on on uh, Thanksgiving the holidays when mom and my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law shows up, I'm still the only guy because <laughs> my dad passed away many years ago. Uh, so I'm used to being only. So that's, that's, my, that's part of my story. Well, you know, and it's, you know, one of the things I love about doing this series is people that I thought I really, really knew, I learned something new about. And, right. and hearing only actually makes sense to me now of why from the very first time you and I met when you were giving me the tour around the, mm -hmm. the campus of program and and I was like man you know and, and for me it's just like there's there's always something about a little bit of a gut feel right mm -hmm. you meet someone and you're like hey I'm I'm supposed to be connected with this person 
Mm-hmm. And and that that explains it. That, to, now, after all these years, almost a decade later, it's like, oh, now I understand why I depend on you for your perspective. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. you see things, you know, being, like you said, you know, the only person in that room. Mm-hmm. And then naturally that gives you a perspective towards things. Right. right? But you said a word earlier mm-hmm. that I think absolutely 100% defines you. My perspective of you okay. is commitment. Okay. I, I mean, that is, you're one of the most committed people I, I, I know. And, and I have a huge amount of respect for people that are committed to things, mm-hmm. especially when the universe is not cooperating. <laughs> right? Right. Right. And, um, you know, and, an un, an unpopular topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about, mm-hmm. especially with all the, turbulence going on in this country right now is that there are some realities, mm-hmm. right? And being an African-American, mm-hmm. being an African-American male mm-hmm. in this country, sometimes people forget that there's things, things don't always go the same right. way as <clears throat> everybody else. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I've always loved about our relationship is that you and I can speak right. openly about mm-hmm. stuff. Right. We have right. such an amount of respect for each other that we can say things. We may not always agree on stuff, right. but, w- mm-hmm. but we can always talk about those things. So as you were making your journey through mm-hmm. and then looking around, like in that moment going, I don't only black dude here. <laughs> like what, what kind of goes through your mind at that point when it really kind of, you know, like you said, you just, you knew it, but it didn't really hit you for some time. And then in that moment, you're like, whoa, this is, this is a reality. Yeah. Uh, a couple things. Um, one, you get used to it, which is not a good thing. Um, I think some of us get used, some people who are the only, the only woman, the only African-American, the the oldest guy, the oldest person, whatever. Being the one, because being only also means you're the one. Mm-hmm. So depending upon your perspective on it, you may say, okay, this is great. But then you have to ask yourself, by being the only one in the room with that perspective, can you meet the objectives of the group as a whole by yourself? If you can, then being the only one is okay. Mm-hmm. In most cases, being the only one does not position you to be as effective to reach the objective of the group. So when I started my business, it, even when I was mentoring folks, at, at, when I was working at Sabre, I had a diverse group of folks. It was male, female, uh, African-American, Caucasian, Asian, uh, younger, older, didn't matter. Because to me, I think it's not just about black and white, it's about appreciating differences. Because if everyone's the same, you know, actually, I have these moments when I think about if there was no problems in the world, how would it be? Pretty boring, to be honest. If there's nothing to fix, if there's no challenge, I think the suicide rate probably go up. Because, (laughs) you know, because there's no struggle. I mean, it's a part of being human is to have a struggle, but the part of the struggle can be is can be uh, managed appropriately if we just accept people for who they are. That should not. There's, there's enough struggle. I mean, yeah, you know, disease. You have 
you know, health, whatever, uh, natural disasters. It's enough st- other stuff that we don't control, but yet we can control how we approach different. Doesn't mean you have to agree, just like you just mm-hmm. said. But yet, doesn't mean that you have to be with each other if you disagree. Doesn't mean that. But yet, appreciation of the other side or the or the alternatives, I think, would help uh, us a great deal. So in that moment, there is a sense of, okay, here we go again. The other part is a responsibility. Okay, if I'm the only one, then I have to represent. Then that can go one of two ways. You can be emboldened. And uh, and you are you take it on and you represent well, or you put too much pressure on yourself and you uh, you know uh, may not show up as well because you put too much pressure on yourself. Pressure could lead to you not saying what you need to say, not doing what you need to do, or you may say too much or try and do too much or assume that someone else is uh, has bad intentions when they really don't because they may not just be aware. So I think uh, responsibility is another thing that comes to mind, uh, and uh, I would say when you're on, when you when you have a story of only, then you you know now going back to here you go again, then you have that sense of okay, um, do I what do I do first? Um, you know I remember distinctly I was what six seven maybe uh, it was two brothers down the street. <clears throat> Um, well, name. Uh, I had a softball, new softball my dad bought, and was playing softball in front of the house. Sixteen inch, you know, things you do in Chicago. Sixteen softball. <laughs> um, but um, and they said, "Hey, can we hold on to the ball uh, till tomorrow?" I said, "No." To both of them, and then they said, um, "No, nah, man, you know, we'll hold on to it, and then we'll 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 give it back." And I said, no. So I ended up having to fight both of them for softball because I much rather fight them than my dad because I was going to lose that. Right. <laughs> so I'll come home with the softball and problem. So I think the, with the put that in the context that being okay with being only, being okay to stand to be different, uh, being okay to stand in your own, in, on your own space. Uh, too often, you, it's easy to, to just say, I'm just going to blend in. Or assimilate, or just agree, which kind of good correlates with the first one and two, because you know those are the kind of byproduct of that. But you have to be comfortable with being only, but not so comfortable that you just stay that way and keep it status quo. So that's the type of things that go through my mind. Um, in some cases, you know, only is just you know it is what it is. I mean, there's not another guy walking in my house anytime soon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, being 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 a, a father of right. an only child <laughs> right. who's a exactly. daughter. Right. I understand. <laughs> and when that moment comes, that right. one does. Right. One of your good old buddies, me. Right. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a phone call and be like, hey, man, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I need some body bags, (laughs) shovels, lanterns, 12-pack of beer, and no questions. I'll be like, on my way. (laughs) I know. I've been there. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, so sometimes, you know, you got to accept it. Yeah. And it is what it is. But when you talk about in business or you're talking about in community, what have you, and you're just and you're the only you have to be comfortable with it in the moment such that you can be effective in making sure that you're not the only forever. So, yeah. Yeah. And another word that uh, you dropped, which I thought was pretty amazing because this is what you helped me learn was awareness, right? Is I never, 
I never forget. You're like, hey, and, and Dr. Rhodes had talked about it when you're in there, right? <laughs> right of like, right. hey, be aware, right? And I don't think I really truly, I don't even know if I knew what the definition of that word was prior to <laughs> in the program. And, uh, and what I've always loved about you is you'll have a real conversation with me, even when it's unpopular. Like, right. hey, man. You're wanting to try to accomplish this, what, but you, what you're doing right now is like going the right. opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's what a true friend does. Right. They don't tell you what you want to hear. They right. tell you what you need mm-hmm. to hear. And and and, I, and it was funny. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, is what I had to teach myself to do during the program. So for the listeners out there, it, it, the program really your 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 evaluation is based on three things. You have your group. You have your team. Mm-hmm. Right. Then you have the academia portion of it. And then you have your um, uh, um, the classroom contributing to the conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when you got 27 people in there that have 27 different opinions, some may not speak up. And some may speak too much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we know what category I was in, <laughs> where speaking too much might have, if, if you stopped, might have given that opportunity for the person that finally had the confidence enough to say something, be able to offer that opportunity. Right. And as I learned through that, what I had to do is I had to sit on my hands because I talk with my hands. I'm right, a hand talker, right? Right. 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 So I finally determined, I, I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like yeah. well, if, if my hands can't move, then I can't talk. Right? <laughs> and right. it's so, but that was something that was really important to learn that even uh, two years ago when I got an executive coach, it was, I, I need to learn more about self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've gotten this part, but I need more. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that was, that was really important because it helped me shut up long enough to actually hear what the other person was saying. Right. And then my world was really opened up to, wow, that was pretty impactful or yeah. wow, that was really horrible. Right. Yeah. Or what, what did you do? Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, you, you, you played a very strong part in that journey to be self-aware, which I still have many, many miles but to we go, all do. right? Well, we all do. I mean, we all yeah. have moments of blind spots. You know, yeah. even when you're driving, there's, you have blind spots. Some are because you're not looking and some is because it's just a blind spot. It's just a spot where you just can't see. And you got hope in that moment that you get through that blind spot sooner as opposed to later such that you can get full vision. Uh, I think that applies uh, in life, uh, but definitely in business. You know, you can be so successful that you are blind to the fact that there's somebody in the garage doing something that's going to take you down or compete with you in a, in a few years or a few months. Uh, you know, I thought about <clears throat> when thinking about uh, our current state of affairs, even early up, uh, early in the uh, uh, pandemic months. Um, I was, um, I forget what I was watching on TV. They talk about the back when there was the bubonic plague in uh, Europe. And that's when Sir Isaac Newton, if I'm not mistaken, uh, went in isolation for two years. And then he came out with calculus and a whole lot of other things that we still use today, the laws of gravity and all that, if I recall the story correctly. Um, Somebody right now may not be in complete isolation, but there are people planning, developing, using this opportunity to uh, figure some things out. 
because while everyone else is scurried and trying to keep things the same, because they're not, then someone else has more aware to the opportunity and therefore exploring it. So when you think about awareness, exactly as you said, you when you're not aware or you have those blind spots, you're not open to at least evaluating opportunities to learn from someone else or to see what's around you. And in times like this, blind spots cost you money, cost you time, cost you relationships, uh, may cost you election. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, when you look at how things went down, uh, awareness uh, is important. Um, and I think that's where um, what you said is very important. But all of us go through those times of, for good or bad reasons, where we have those blind spots. We just have to be aware that we're going to have them and we get through it, drive through it faster or get get out of those blind spots as quickly as we can. So let me let me ask you a question. And this is this may be a landmine question. <laughs> sure, no problem. <laughs> is so naturally, I'm never going to know what it's like to see the world to mm-hmm. the eyes of being a black male. Mm-hmm. Because it's obvious. I'm not Mm -hmm. a black male. I didn't grow up under the same conditions or Mm -hmm. anything else. But I did grow up under some conditions, right? Mm -hmm. Dropping out of high school, going in the Marines. By the way, if you want to piss off your United States Marine Corps recruiter, tell them that you're not going to graduate and that will make them less than entertained. Mm -hmm. Then going in the Marine Corps, learning, you know, dyslexia, nobody really knew what that was back in the 80s, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I just naturally thought I was dumb, you know, which... Mm -hmm. I've never had a self-confidence issue, right? I mean, I've always been full of confidence. I just thought, hey, I was born. Just, this is just not making sense, right? Then mm-hmm. I learned later in life, like when I got to the Marine Corps, I was like, hey, wait a minute. You just, your brain processes things different. This is how you read. And then learning to read be like, wow, this opened up a whole mm-hmm. new mm-hmm. spectrum. Mm-hmm. And then getting out, going to the police department, putting myself through junior college, working 10-hour night shifts as a cop, and then going to school all day. And then getting into programs, the Student Government Association, Phi Theta Kappa, mm-hmm. all these different programs, building that academic resume where TCU then offered me a full academic scholarship where, I mean, I really felt like I had done everything possible to earn that scholarship. Then getting there, right? Mm-hmm. Then ultimately thinking I was going to graduate in May of 2006, but uh, my advisor thought that I fell under the program of a traditional student, but the year I transferred in, they had added 18 credit hours to the program. Then unbeknownst to me, it was like, no, you're 18 hours shy. And it was like, oh man, what, what do I do? And so then Mike Scott, who Mm -hmm. was over uh, the finance Mm -hmm. uh, department going to him and he's like, Hey, yeah, that was our bad that that was missed. Um, We're going to need you to Continue, but we're going to pay for a summer class and we're going to pay for the fall class to extend scholarship. No, Mike's not alone, too. Oh, yeah. yeah that's right. actually <laughs> how I learned. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Mike, yeah, Mike told us. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah I forgot he, about that. Yeah. he had told me, he said, when yeah. you're ready, you need to come back here. And I was like, bro, you just told me I got to do another half year. I'm not ever thinking about <laughs> school ever again. Are you kidding me? Right. Yeah. And so, um, but he was that's like, right. no, you're there's going to be a moment where you're going to want, he goes, look, getting to know you over the last couple of years, he goes, you're going to want more. And he goes, and I'm telling you, you need to come back and do the executive MBA program. That was good advice. Yeah. Cause he was, yeah, yeah, I at, remember at, that. not only did he put the bug in my ear, 
but he was one of my referrals. Right, that's right. Going Shiroz, into the program. That's right. right. And um, and so, but point point being is, I felt like, based on certain conditions, I had this uphill battle that I mm-hmm. fought for, and I wasn't. I, I was committed. Right. Is if someone is born in this country, and they don't come from money, and they come from somewhere where you're not a white male, can they also do the same things? It's just it's going to be a lot more work than maybe somebody else. Um, I know yes. that's a landmine. No, no, no. no. Line, well, but, yeah. I'll say this much: um, the the first the simple answer is yes. Yeah. Um, but the real question is why, right? Why is that? Why would it be more difficult? Why would it be more arduous? Now, even within the African American community. It'd be for someone with my upbringing, with two parents, both working together until my dad passed away versus someone, no matter how much money they had, that parents was divorced or separated. Uh, that's a different challenge, but it's still a challenge. Is that a challenge that someone who is not African-American has? Yeah, that happens, too, in other communities, too. So there's similarities that still there are other things that are obstacles that are shared no matter what background or what ethnicity you are. But then you say, well, okay, if that's the case, then why is this other part? And it goes back to what I was saying before about differences. Um, but also it comes back to about power. So if people perceive that something that is different than themselves or different than what they think is the standard cannot ascend to a certain position or level, then that's what keeps some other people down or back. Um, I think that the difficulty is getting enough examples, which have, and you don't get enough examples of people being successful if you don't have opportunity. So to me, it's more about can someone get there? Sure, because everybody's capable given this, given similar opportunities. So to me, I think it's more about again, that awareness word again. Yeah. Because I think for a lot of people who come from diverse backgrounds, whether it be African-American, Asian, or anything that's not Caucasian man, how many examples do you have of people who've made it and that you know and touch? Not just read about. Something that's on TV every day, something that's in the books every day, something that's in the classroom uh, as a guest speaker, uh, even uh, someone who's coming back, alum coming back to visit, wherever, all, all the above. How many examples do you see when you read the business books? Do you see your see your face or your story in the story of how business is done? If the answer is no, then psychologically, you may not see yourself making it no matter even if you do have the opportunity. So I think the question is more why as opposed to if, because it's definitely clear that it's possible because many people have done it. Mm-hmm. In comparison to other populations, maybe not as much, but that's didn't say why. And I, I come back to um, as earlier this year when everybody wanted to talk and have these deep conversations after everybody saw what happened on TV back in late May, when that's been happening for as long as the country's been around. But yet it was on TV and everybody was sitting at home, so they saw it. So therefore, now all of a sudden we want to talk about it. All right, great. To me, to combat that in terms of what, especially in the education world, to combat what we saw is you have to build awareness. Um, for example, 
uh, I going back to what you know, the question came, what can we change in the program or in the business school in order to address these issues? You know, the first thought was scholarships and we need to do this. I said, okay, well, let's not, let's leave the money to say. Let's just have business cases that have diverse actors or protagonists. So let's have, you know, like the case you guys covered that talked about the Asian beer company. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. So all of a sudden it's about totally different place, different part of the world. Well, how many business cases do we have or do we want to have that covers different people? Having guest speakers come in from different backgrounds, male, female, all different backgrounds. So I think something that simple. He said, well, why is that simple? I said, well, for me, when I was in business school, um, every time I went to the student lounge, because we didn't check email per se as much then, we just went to the folder and got the piece <laughs> of paper. As I had to walk past down the hall, walk down the hallway, uh, there was this halt wall of fame of all these esteemed alumni. You know, there's three African-American men on the wall. So some days I would just stop and just look out. And I'm thinking, well, okay, how they get on the wall? Then I would advance, so well, how can I get on the wall? And then I met them because they came back to campus. So they were real, tangible people then. Uh, and they shared their story. And whether they did anything more than that or not, that was important. Because it said, okay, this is real. This is this is possible. And I'm in the place where they were. And then, hey, I could, this could happen for me. We need more of that. And I, to me, is more of making sure that you have awareness, to the point again, and get people. And that way, people will seek the opportunities because opportunities are there. Uh, will it be more still more difficult because people don't value differences as much? Sure. But, it, you know, no. You, you know, this person's from the north, this person's from the south, this person's from Dallas versus Fort Worth. I mean, it always will be something. So therefore, but we find ways to overcome those. So you just have to find a way to overcome that, in my opinion. But still, it comes back to respecting differences, but also creating those opportunities for people to be more aware of what could be possible. Not only the people who are directly impacted, but also the people who are in the majority. Yeah. And so, like for me, my journey growing up. Burleson in the 80s, zero black folks, right? Mm -hmm. Racism was prevalent, right? Grew up in an environment, just not knowing any better. And then you go in the Marine Corps where all kinds of differences, right? Right, Exactly. And and I think the Marine Corps was really, really good for me, you know, is – Look, I'll say this on this podcast, and man, I get a little goosebumps doing it because it's one thing whenever you say something and the words actually go out. I wasn't a racist, but I definitely had some stereotypes because Mm -hmm. I did not have any exposure, right? And then I go in the Marine Corps, and it didn't matter if you were black, white, brown, male, female, you were all getting treated the same way, right? right? Mm -hmm. And that was eye-opening for me. Because I, I, I don't think I'd ever had a conversation with a black person ever in my life because of access, right? Mm-hmm. Just there weren't right. any black people in Burleson. Opportunity. Right? right? And now I get here, and the one thing that we shared was misery. <laughs> Matter of <laughs> fact, I think, there was a, I think I sent it to you a couple of years ago. There was a meme, and it was an Air Force general that said, well, 
the reason the Marines are the Marines is because they treat, no matter what color you are, they treat everybody like they're black, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, it was just like, and you couldn't help but laugh at it. You're like, like, like you know, and if people can't find humor in funny little things like right. this, then they're right. taking themselves way too That's serious, right? right? right. But it, at, at that point, I was like, hey, wait a minute. I entered an environment where there's all kinds of different people, Asians, Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, mm-hmm. black, you name it. Right. And then, but we had that shared misery. And by the way, we were forced to work as a team. Right. And so at that point, and it was funny, the thing, the Marine Corps that pushed is you're not black, you're not white, you're not anything, you're green. And so, but it was really funny because there's one concept that you're like, (laughs) yes, in my soul, I'm green, but on the outside shell, Mm -hmm. we're all different colors. But because of that, in that teamwork and being able to willing to sign your life away to go do things together to protect this country was probably the best place I could have gone from growing up in a small town to there because it opened my eyes. And what it did is part of awareness um, is curiosity, right? As I became curious about people, like I I just wanted to learn, like, hey, what? Why was your life different than mine? And it was funny because we had uh, this one dude in boot camp whose parents were like incredibly wealthy. Like we were like, why? The rest of us are here because we're broke. <laughs> I mean, the one thing we all shared is that we're. I mean, look. I mean, when you when you go look for enlisted folks, mm-hmm. right? They. they they didn't come from 76109, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and, and so we were like, why? Like, what are you you could have gone to college, right? Like, this is not like college wasn't even an opportunity for us. Like, no. wasn't going to happen. And he was just like, I, I just, and he said, well, part of it was I wanted to piss my parents off, <laughs> you know? And right. he goes, but the other part was, is he goes, I grew up in a life of privilege. And I, I saw that and I wanted to experience something different. Right. You know, and and, it, and so it was like, man, and I'll never forget. And I, man, I wish I could remember this guy's name. I mean, we're talking this is three decades right, ago sure. in boot okay. camp. Right. Um, if I saw his picture, I'd be like, oh, that's right, right, that's right. the guy. Right. But it was then I was like, okay, I'm curious about humans. I'm just curious about people. Like, what makes them tick? Why why do they do the things they do? You know, why right. does that make sense? It does yeah. because um, I was fortunate that despite growing up a predominantly African-American community, our neighbors in the house next door to us was two elderly uh, white couple, uh, the Hanners. Uh, My dad had a great relationship with Mr. Hanner. Um, He uh, took time to work with my dad on, here's what I'm doing with my lawn. Here's what I'm keeping, how I keep this uh, going in the house. And my dad, and they had a good relationship to the, he passed away and then they moved and Mr. Mrs. Hannah moved out. Um, similarly, uh, the grade school I went to, uh, Sister Catherine, Caucasian nun, a uh, great woman. Um, you know, she made sure that we celebrate uh, uh, Black History Month and we did, more then, and I learned so much about myself and my history because of someone who didn't look like me. Um, Father Heinz, who uh, became the pastor many years after I first started there and was our coach of our flag football team, um, when, uh, when, because we know we have money for pads up north. Um, 
he, uh, again, Caucasian man, uh, treated us all like his sons, uh, was member of the community, just another guy. Uh, but even more so than that, going back to my dad, my dad had a diverse set of friends. Uh, you know, Latino, Caucasian. He worked with a diverse set of people at work when he worked at Sears. He talked to anybody. Uh, he worked in the um, Chicago Bridge and Iron as well. He had a diverse group of friends. So that's what I knew. Despite growing up in a black neighborhood and having pretty much, you know, a very homogeneous family, um, because of my parents, because even my mom worked for uh, State of Illinois, Children and Family Services, and diverse set of people there that she dealt with. That's what I grew up seeing. So after grade school, going to high school, I went to uh, DLSL Institute, which is if you want to be mayor and you want to be mayor of Chicago, used to be that you go to DLSL. Uh, the Dailies who went there, uh, the Ryans, Dan Ryan, the Expressway, uh, Blandick went to DLSL. Uh, Jane, for, I think it was up until when Jane Byrne was uh, uh, was mayor, we had you know a long stretch because Daly was mayor for a long time. Anyway, long and short. Uh, that was a minority, you know. I, so in high school, you know, I felt, you know, I saw division. But also saw when things worked out well when we came together. So you know, I was in the honors class, and we was you know pretty much half and half in the room, and we were brothers. You know, we went to school together every class almost for four years, the same group pretty much, and we knew each other really well. And uh, and you know. And that that was you know different. So I learned that early early age, and so that's where, when you have a person who grew up in the South Side of Chicago, all of a sudden is transplanted in Texas, and then is at TCU with a two one four phone number on the cell phone, calling <laughs> folks saying, "Hey, you want to drop a hundred grand to come back to school?" You know, wasn't didn't feel that strange to me, but I knew that you no, know, I'm definitely different than the majority of the people that I'm calling on, at least initially. But at the same time, I have to take the time to find the connection. Um, they have a they, they're calling us, or I'm calling them for a reason. If it has a sim, have a connection like we have, then we'll continue the conversation. Uh, we'll continue to have a relationship. Uh, if the relationship leads to them coming to the program, great. But yet, we got to get beyond just how we look, and then more about the other things that makes us human that we may have in, have in common. Because that's what my dad and my mom did growing up. That's what Sister Catherine did. That's what Father Heinz did. That's what I grew up seeing from those adults. And I think going back to what we were talking about before, more of us adults need to be doing that. Doesn't mean we have to agree, but yet we have to show that, hey, you know, we can get together and talk and do certain things. We can hang out. You know, um, the uh, couple and, uh, and daughter who we keep in touch with most from uh, preschool. For when my daughter was in preschool, are Caucasian. We hang out, talk all the time. We don't, only people we hung out with primarily in the pandemic were them. Why? Because we have something in common. They're good people. Our daughters in, are born on a, a day apart. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. You know, the, the only sleepover she's gone to was with her at their house. You know, that's that's the type of thing that is a uh, shows a connection. You know, and that's where uh, it's more about the commonality as opposed to what you see. You know, if you think about any sport, any team, uh, or like you said, in the military, 
if it can't, if you start looking at how you look and you know who's tall, who's short, and all that, then you you already lost mm-hmm. because you got to figure out what everyone does well, how they fit, and then how you can move forward to a common objective. And I think that's and that's what you teach in business school. But yet, when you talk about in life, you know, this should apply the same way. So, and that's where, where we hit it off. I mean, I remember distinctly, and I told you just recently, that uh, when you uh, came out to the first uh, preview luncheon and then you uh, called me afterwards and said, hey, uh, uh, I'm not going to do it this year, but I'm definitely going to be one of your first to next year because uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I got, got a case I'm working on right now. I'm not going to be able to manage the time, got things going on. And then I told uh, our then executive director, uh, Nancy Nix, um, the conversation and said, well, you think he's coming back or not? He'll be back. So what do you mean? I said, well, um, one, based on me just talk to him, I just, he, he, I felt the sincerity. Two, um, he had that look in his eye that this is the place I want to be. And three, when you send me the picture of what you look like, which doesn't look too much different than what you look like now uh, or when you're undercover. Then I said, okay, well, he actually, he's, out, he's telling the truth. He does have something going on. <laughs> but my point is, yeah. is that, again, uh, it was more about a connection about who you are as opposed to what I saw. Yeah. And that in itself is, I think, one of the uh, things that you get out of the program. When I think about your class, uh, I think about diversity in just your class. I mean, you know, we had police officers. Uh, we have a community leader, uh, too, as a matter of fact. We had uh, uh, someone who works for the FAA, uh, air traffic control. Uh, we have uh, uh, someone who's a part of a family of legacy and ascending in, in, to the highest ranks of his company, of his uh, family's company. Uh, you got someone climbing, public people climb the corporate ladder. Uh, you got uh, people who are single, people who are married, people who are divorced, people with kids, people without kids, serial entrepreneurs. And that's only within 27 people, mm-hmm. you know, the differences that was there. But then the connection that was developed amongst such a diverse group is unspeakable. Uh, it's unfathomable going in. If I when I even time, that's why I don't try and sell that myself. I have prospective students talk to people like yourself because it will sound fabricated by me. That's, that's not, that didn't happen. And then they meet the person or the people, and then they tell the story. So, wow, that actually happened. I think of uh, two-year classmates, uh, Kim and Jamie, mm-hmm. who um, both single moms um, at the time. And um, I introduced them to uh, April Harris, who's a single mom, who went through the program two years prior. And they met at a preview luncheon, and they hit it off. Fast forward. And then uh, when in the first pro, first uh, semester program, Kim was diagnosed with uh, cancer. And the person who was at her side, as much as her family, was this person's just met a few months before, Jamie. So you say, well, I go to business school to get an MBA. Yeah, but then you may find a lifelong friend. You may find a relationship that goes beyond just that that you need in a time of real need. Now, of course, as you know, Kim went on to not miss a class weekend thanks to the ice Armageddon of uh, December 2013. Oh, Uh, yeah. I remember well. I remember well. And then when she came back, all of us had pink on just to welcome her back. Yep. So, again, people who had differences all of a sudden because of this compelling event, we came together. Yeah. 
to support someone. And then she turns around and says, okay, I'm going to keep going. And she ends up being class valedictorian, uh, outstanding class member, uh, voted on by her classmates and their faculty. Yeah. No, 4 You know, someone, and so if someone, if she, that's the type of person that you meet in the EMBA program. Because like yourself, people may think, you know, okay, Jeremy's just wild. Well, it's a lot of other wild people that go through an EMBA program. I mean, you have, all right, I'm already making six figures. Uh, I'm already, I got a family. Um, I am, uh, I maybe take care of my parents. Uh, I got my other stuff I got going on. I'm going to add an 18 month program on top of that. And by the way, the last time I went to school, eh, I was happy to leave. <laughs> you know, it was, it, I, I did okay. I mean, I do have evidence that I did finish, but yet at the same time, it wasn't the last, the last place someone probably told me that, yeah, you didn't do too well. It was probably when you was in school. Not at work, because at work, you know, you're a top performer, you're a high achiever, you're 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 it. No one's told you that your your stuff stink in a long time, except for when you was back at that university. But yet you're gonna choose to go back. Some people may call that crazy. I call it the right thing to do. Why? Because how often do we get a chance to invest in ourselves? You know. Putting some money down, going back to what I said about myself at age 24 or 5 when I made that decision to go back to school. And my mom asked me how I was going to pay for it. I made a decision. I'm going to borrow it. Now, you know, I was young and stupid. I didn't know I was going to pay it back. But, hey, I read, I drank, read, read, drank the Kool-Aid. You know, I go to school. I go out, get a job, and I'll be making more than I'm making today. Now, luckily, I wasn't making that much as a sports statistician back then. So <laughs> anything was more than that. So, um, but long and short of it though, I placed that bet. And then when I found that no one else was placing that type of bet that looked like me uh, in the program, then again, I was only, I was only one. So when I think, when I talk to people about, uh, cause most of our students are just that they're paying their own way. They're, they're taking a student loan. They may take a home equity loan. They may, Borrow money from family. Uh, they may take out money from their retirement. Um, most of the time, it's not the company paying it. So this is a bet. This is an investment. But it's in the person in the mirror. Again, if it's if you if you're not willing to do that for yourself, why should your boss give you a raise? Why should your uh, investor put money in your business or your idea? If you're not willing to put some some put some equity in yourself or or your own dream, then you you're not in a position to ask someone else, or not a stronger position to ask for someone else. So, given that that was my experience, that I did that for myself, I'm pretty passionate when I talk to people about, you know, hey, this is what you can do, you know, and you know what, if you're trying to figure out where your money went, all you have to do is look in the mirror every morning. You don't have to worry. It's not like giving money at church. You know, oh, did that go to the building fund or not? No, this is you. You know, well, you know, this this costs a lot of money. Yeah, I know. The only thing you probably own that costs more is a house. But hurricane, tornado, rainstorm, whatever, a fire can come, that house is gone. You still have MBA, though. You still can have create that opportunity. You still have those relationships. You still have that knowledge. You still have that that method for learning and growing. You have that confidence that I can take in information in a few hours and then turn it into, into something. That's what our students do. So to me, um, 
you know, that's that uh, when I think about EMBA candidate, when I think about people like yourself, when I think about your class, um, having the diversity of thought and people in a room, uh, having that option or ability to be in, in a room like that at a time in your career, in your life where having that expansion of your network and that diversity of your network can only turn into greater, greater dividends. Why wouldn't you do that? Okay. You got a special assignment. You got to do it. Okay. But don't keep telling yourself no. Because if you tell yourself no once, easy to do it again. Um, and when people say, well, most of the time when someone says, when they ask, will they come back? I say, no, they're not. Why? I said, they said they told themselves no for a reason that is not going to change from year to year. There's no end to, uh, like, for example, somebody reached out to us, said, I'm not sure if I can do this right now. Why? My daughter's going to school, going to college. Well, they knew that before they called me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So what changed? What is it that you need in order to take that next step? And that's why in the program we talk about uh, as in the conversations and also as we go through, what is your objective? What are you trying to achieve? Are you entrepreneur trying to grow your business? Are you a high potential leader on the fast track to C-suite? Are you uh, already executive and you're just trying to double down and expand your, your, your horizons and your knowledge base? Are you making a pivot? mid-career for a different industry or like you did? Or are you trying to get through that barrier in advance and you think this will be what's going to get you there? Based upon those five different objectives, then we will work with you differently throughout the program. Uh, and whether it be from the time we first talked to the time you're in the program, also as things change after you graduate, because that's really is what this is about. It is truly about reaching those objectives. It's not just about a degree. If you want a degree, it's a whole lot of cheaper places to go. But yet, if it's really about who can help me reach these objectives, even the ones and reach certain heights that I didn't even know was 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 even in my forecast, then that's what we're here for. And that's where I think affording yourself the opportunity to be in that diversity or that room and being open. Because I, I think it all is connected, Jeremy, that when you're more aware and you're open, then more opportunities come your way. One of those opportunities, at least you know, that we both share, is the EMBA program. And it's an opportunity to be exposed to something that you didn't know before, uh, whether it be you know, when we're not in a global pandemic, traveling abroad uh, for two weeks, whether it be on a team of people who do completely different things than you, and all of a sudden you have to come together to form a team and to create new projects together. All that is just, um, you know, you just don't get that opportunity that often. Yeah. And that's, man, one of the things that I would say really stuck out to me that I think that this country is, like you said, as adults, we, we should be doing more of is, I mean, at first, on, like when we did the, the, the in-residence part, right, and you meet your classmates, and I'm looking around, like, Oh wow, you're you're VP at Bell and you're VP at BNSF yeah. and you own a company and you got a, this and that and I was like, I, I'm a cop. <laughs> right, right, right. And and in the beginning, that's exactly what I saw was the differences. Right. But then, as we 
and I would say it was really on that first team because I had, I mean, I had Glenn Isbell, right? You know, right. I mean, I, right. That dude's got like a 50 pound brain. Like he solves <laughs> E equals MC squared had sex with the square root of com, and this is what it is. You know, this is amazing. I mean, that dude, like, it's just right. his mind is the flex capacitor, right? Right. right? right. And, and so, but what I started to see on our first team, you know, because I had Shannon, right. uh, Jason, Glenn, and Derek, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. four other completely different personalities, mm-hmm. four completely different industries. Mm-hmm. Everybody's super successful. And one of the things that started to happen was a lot like in Rancor is you started seeing how much more we actually had in common than not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and so like in in this country, I think that's what everybody's so focused on the differences that they forget that actually we don't really have a few differences. Right. We got a lot more in common than we have in differences where people are focused on the differences. Right. And I'll never forget when we were walking around and you're, we are here to develop strategic leaders. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time. But what I did know was I am a leader. If I wasn't a leader, I wouldn't be here, but I'm not the leader that I want to be. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, 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 and it's because of there are certain limitations. You know what you know. You don't know what you don't know, right? There are certain limitations that you get to that you have to get that exposure. Right. And our class was exactly mm-hmm. that. And like you said, with Kim, man, at that point, nobody quitting, right? No, sir. Because right. at that point, you're like, here's a single mom of two, mm-hmm. an executive mm-hmm. with the highest GPA and mm-hmm. fighting cancer mm-hmm. and all of this. There ain't nobody quitting. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it was funny because, you know, um, we, uh, a couple months prior to that, we did have mm-hmm. somebody quit. Right. And, and I was really disappointed because it's a fellow veteran. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I was like, I, I was really, really annoyed by that. And then someone else that was a, ended up becoming really good friends had tried to leave and it had already moved. And I called him and said, uh, you're coming back. Right, I was right. like, she can do it. You can do it. Right. And, and he was glad that he did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so it was, th- there was just so many of these components that at that point, my limitations were not as much exposure to business. And now I had this encyclopedia of different industries. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the special parts of the program that I tell folks is, look, you're going to get exposure to so many different types of industries. And what whatever problem you have, at least one person in there mm-hmm. has gone through that same problem. And, I mean, I've called Brandon. I've called mm-hmm. Glenn. I've called Shannon. I've mm-hmm. called probably about every, almost everybody except mm-hmm. for one. <laughs> In our class to say, leave him alone, man. Leave him alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll leave leave that one. But but let's 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 talk about that for a second. Let's talk about that for a second without naming names. Yeah. Appreciate the differences. Yeah. Um, That one person in your class uh, was carrying a different burden that he never talked about because he was proud not to talk about it. I knew about it. And if he had if he had opened if he had opened himself up, he would have gotten more help. Mm-hmm. If he had gotten more, so he robbed himself of an opportunity 
to be a, to get even more out of it than he did. Now he got what he wanted. He got you know, new gig, better gig, different place, all that. He got that. Yeah. But he could have got that much more. But pride got in the way, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, and that you know that that happens. You know, uh, any group of people. Right. And that's where. And same thing for the person who left. Mm-hmm. Pride got in the way. Because of whatever reason. Yeah. And I think that that's unfortunate when we see that. Now, conversely, though, going back to what you said about, oh, I'm a cop. Mm-hmm. We didn't see you as a cop. Yeah. You're a business owner. And when you became more and more clear to you that that's what you are, then that's when all of a sudden the light bulbs came on. Because um, as your uh, listeners may know, you know, you own your own uh, pizza joint so, yeah. and still do. Uh, and so to us, I say, wait a minute, he's you no know, he, TC undergrad, uh, Marine veteran, uh, sergeant in the four PD. And he owns his own business. OK, wait a minute. That combination is rare. This is a different cat. He may not know it yet, but he knows enough that he's knocking on the door and saying, hey, I want more. Mm-hmm. Let's give him a shot. And that's what we did because that's what we saw. Yeah. Now, what we know for a fact is that there's at least 50% of every cohort, if not maybe sometimes two-thirds, what we see may not be what they see just yet. Even though they wrote the essays, even though they were they uttered the words to us when we did the interview— um, they may not see that just yet. And, but when we watch students go through the program, and these are adults, these are grown men and women. These are not little kids we're talking about. We're talking about average age, 38 to 40, 17 years of work experience, 10 years in management on average. So, and across all sectors, like you said. But when we see someone at that stage in life develop and grow as if they went from crawling to walking to running, over a couple of months, that's just so, that's just so rewarding. I mean, it, it puts a smile on our face. You no, know, uh, we before I came here, I sent the email to the team and to our uh, marketing agency about the uh, CEO of, of uh, oil and gas company locally, who uh, is in the D- D- Dallas Business Journal today. So I said, oh, "Frog in the news," you know, as we talk about frog in the move, we got frog in the news. So every time there's a frog on the move or in the news. And it's an EMB alum. It's it's a, it's like a mini celebration inside. Yeah. Because that is, you know, that means that person is getting that return. And that is great. Uh, and we and we want to be a part of that. So we promote it. You know, hey, look, not because we're trying to attract new people, although that's part of it. But it's because, hey, that's a member of our family doing well. We want to tell everybody about it. Yeah. And that's 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 just great. But. But that's where that's why that they hit me when you said that. Now, oh, I'm a cop. Yeah. No, you're a business owner. You yeah. just you also happen to have a job with Forward PD. And as you went further and further to the program, particularly I remember when uh, you're back and forth with Mo. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody ever wanted to hear about pizza <laughs> ever, ever again. again. <laughs> right. But that's when I saw that the change was really happening then because he yeah. was asking these questions like, wait a minute. So if I do this and I do that. 
And you say, okay. And yeah. then you did it and you came back and you say, hey, I tried this and this and this worked. And then you asked for more. And now it was not more of, I'm just trying to get a grade. It was more of, I'm learning stuff that I can turn around on Monday or even that night uh, to get a return on investment. Yeah. And um, it was just great to watch. You know, I'm in the classroom because I'm bringing other, uh, back then when we had visitors on campus, uh, I'm bringing in people to watch and view class, and I'm watching what people develop and grow. No, throwing and, darts at me. Yeah, right. <laughs> but but the back and forth, and most of the time, <laughs> helped everyone else because yeah. you were asking questions, and someone else was like, "Hey, you know, I was wondering that too." Yeah. Uh, but yet, uh, but then we before the I think right after class was over, then we had a, a networking event at the at old school pizza. Yeah. And uh, with the whole class and Mo came, yeah. which is great. So he could start seeing some of the things that you were talking about you were doing. It was just, it, it, I mean, that was even before you graduated. That was before you went on to study abroad. And that's where you think about that return on investment. We talk about class on Friday, return on investment on Monday. Uh, those are the examples that you see. When people say, what's the difference between a full-time MBA program and an EMBA program? That's one of them. Not only who's in the room, who's in, you know, the, the class, the cohort, the people that are experienced professionals, uh, executives, leaders, business owners, but and community leaders. But also the fact that you don't have to wait a few years before you can actually do what you read about in the business case. You can, because of who you are and where you are in your career and who you're in the room with, you can do that tomorrow. You may, after class, go talk about uh, over beers or talk about over dinner. And the next thing you know, you have someone back of the napkin and you're moving forward with it. Like, you know, Opie and Mike, as you yeah. mentioned before, did uh, along with Kevin and Dustin. You know, they that happens, you know, and that's where uh, you see that. You say, okay, that's the difference. Full-time MBA, you know, I read about CEOs and all that. And then, you know, I wasn't uh, executive until five years later. But most of us are not there at that point. So you're not even in a position to do a lot of things you learn. Whereas in the EMBA program, you can, you know, I, I remember uh, one of our alums say every Monday, or a few of them said this, every Monday I used to wear my team out. I come back from class. <laughs> I said, hey, we need to do this, this, and this, because I learned this, and I talked to this person. That just be excited. And the team like, okay, okay. You yeah. know, it's like, and, and sometimes you know, they'd be excited to hear what I had to say. Other times, like, okay, more work is coming. But yeah. but the thing is, is that you have the opportunity because of who you are and where you are and who you're in the room with to take it and run with it faster. Man, when you talk about light bulb moments, because one of one of the things I was, I've never been afraid to do is ask questions. Mm-hmm. Whether it was, and maybe that's a part of, being a Marine and being a cop, it, you know, was, I wasn't afraid to ask questions even when it was the difficult questions, right? Because I was just, I was hungry to learn. And then, it, it, then what happened is, so for the audience out there is, when I went to do the executive MBA, was not because I had any intentions on leaving the department. Right, exactly. Right, right. But eventually, and and this is not meant to be an insult, and it is absolutely not. But the PD wasn't enough for me at that point. Right. right. That changed. Without light bulb switched is I can't, I can't, I can't stay in the industry I'm in because it's now I've unlocked how hungry I right. really am. Because you didn't see yourself as a police officer anymore. You yeah. saw yourself more of as a business owner. Doesn't mean you couldn't be and that you weren't a really, a really good one. It's yeah. just that I see something else that uh what's my appetite more. Yeah. Uh, utilizes my skills and my ability better. So it's not a saying this is bad, this is good. It's more of this is better for me uh, and where I want to go next. And that's that's the type of 
aha moments that we want our students to have. Well, and, and another thing, too, is when you work in a governmental organization, right, that hierarchy that is involved creates limitations that you have no right. control of, right? right. And if there, and, and I didn't know, I mean, I thought I, I had some ideas, you know, and what I wanted to be and go do, but I really didn't know the answer, but I knew this. I knew I I never wanted a roadblock in front of me that I didn't have the choice of being able to go and do something about that, right? right. To right. hurdle it, move mm-hmm. it, right. change it, recreate it, whatever. Right. And um, and so I did. I I I I I dropped my papers in August of 2014, retired at the same time we graduated in December 14. Mm-hmm. And was completely broke by August 2016. (laughs) But one of the things, though, is I was now equipped, like you said, with, hey, I I went and I took another bet. And I bet wrong. Right. 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 And but I now had a toolbox that I could reach into. And now, a little over four years later, the landscape looks a lot different for me. Right. And. As a matter of fact, it was funny. I was just um, – I was talking about you this morning, uh, James Peterson. Matter of fact, James is really coming up a lot in these podcasts. He's Everybody's <laughs> going to have to at some point meet James. Yeah, that's one word before I look, came here. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. James is in the MBA program now, right. mm-hmm. Marine veteran, uh, works at Lockton. Yep. But we were sitting there talking this morning, and, and he was like, oh, I got this odd idea, and I got this idea, and this idea. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, let me help you out because I've been mentoring James for a while. Mm. I said, you're designed like me. You're an opportunity junkie. And he started laughing uncontrollably. He was just like, oh, that is the best definition I've heard of this yet. And he goes, well, what do you do? And I said, actually, I apply my new ideas with what I learned out of the program. And he says, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, I've got this planner that I use called Mm -hmm. Evo. And so I do my daily in it. And then every Monday I fill up the weekly in it. And I said, so if I get a good idea... Because there's no good idea that you're going to miss not deploying it if you don't do it right now, right? Um, <laughs> right? It, right? Like, oh, this is a good idea. If we don't do this right, right now, right, it'll right, never right, work. Right, right, right. That's right. So right. here it is. Call it the first week in the month, right? I, I get an idea. So I write it down in the book. So when I come around and on Monday mornings, um, I look at the previous week, you know, what did I accomplish? What did I not accomplish? I'm like, oh, well, if that idea no longer seems like a good idea, then I wrote it down and be like, ah, well, you know, nah, that's probably not going to be a good idea. But if I'm like, man, that's still kind of on my mind. I write it in the weekly part. When I come back the following week and it's still there and it still seems like a good idea, I go, okay, this is now I've had two weeks mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to let it wither away. But how good is this good idea? So then I take the idea and I run it through Porter's five forces mm-hmm. that you learn in program. Mm-hmm. Barriers of entry, competition within other rivalries, bargaining power suppliers, mm-hmm. bargaining power consumers, all, all the all the Porter's five forces stuff, right? right? Mm-hmm. And if it makes it through that, right? Because I'll, I'll, at some point I make time during the week, then I go, okay, pass Porter's five forces. So when I get to that, Following Monday again, I'm like, okay, past borders. I'm three weeks into this thing. 
then I apply the five diamond strategy to mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are the vehicles I'm going to need? Mm-hmm. You know, all, all the stuff that goes into there. Both Suzanne's the, class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I keep mm-hmm. the charts. And if it passes that, then I go to my team and I go, here's the idea. Because what I was doing prior to doing that was I was wearing my team out. Right. Because right. good stop. idea, good right. idea. Right. And they were just getting exhausted. Right. Now, when I come to them, I go, this idea has been in my head for four weeks. I've even vetted it out. Here's why this mm-hmm. has a better mm-hmm. chance of working. And then my team became a lot more receptive to the idea. So I was telling James about that this morning. He goes, wow. And he goes, that's actually a really good idea. And I says, man, it's it's worth it because if it's a really, truly a good idea right now, in four weeks, it's still going to be a good idea. But if it's not a good idea right now, how much time and energy will mm-hmm. you waste right. because of that? So that was just one of the gajillion tools I learned out of the program mm-hmm. that effectively changed the the landscape of my life. If you would have told me when I dropped out of high school, when I was 17, that I'd be doing what I'm doing right now, I'd look at you and be like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Right, right. I was selling no real estate, right. having a podcast. Like, right. even though nobody knew what a podcast right, was at that right, point, right? Exactly, right? I wouldn't be having a successful nonprofit. You mm-hmm. know, I wouldn't have a successful restaurant. I wouldn't mm-hmm. have all that. I wouldn't have the friendships that I have. Right. And now it's completely different. Right. But I was open to the change and welcoming to it. And that's really what the, for me personally, the program said, this is going to give you the tools that you don't have, that you know, you know, you need tools, but you don't even really know what they are. You're just like, I got a toolbox that doesn't have the right tools and going in the program and man, and you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Right. You know, it's like anything in life. If you're going through it and you're looking for a piece of paper to stamp that MBA, yeah. And, and and I'm sure that happens in every class, right? Mm. At least initially. Yeah. I think, um, as you know, because you went through it, it's hard after the time in the program to just stay in that lane of, I'm just here to get a degree. Yeah. There will be at least one person that you connect with that makes you feel as though, okay, I'm getting more out of this than just that. Yeah. I think uh, every person, almost to every, every person gone through, have found at least one person. Now, in most cases, it's more than one. So therefore, I would say that that you get. But then I think then when you start getting the feedback from your people you work with and your family that, hey, you're changing, but yet they're not saying you're changing for the worse, you're changing for the better. When you get that type of feedback going, then all of a sudden you start saying, okay, this is more than just a degree because that happens too. Yeah. Uh, but I'll be remiss as to... Uh, if I don't talk about the source of where all this comes from, um, I would say uh, our faculty and staff, um, the uh, TC as a whole, uh, having a uh, teacher-scholar model, uh, has a focus on not only teaching first and research uh, is equally as important, but yet when you look at the EMBA program, you have faculty that are equally adept of being experts in their field of uh, research and study and teaching it as they are in facilitating the conversation in the room. Because you have a group of experienced people, someone in the room has done what we're talking about or is doing what is being taught. Giving the, being, having the, having the confidence 
having the humility to share the floor with that person or people to help the overall class is what our faculty have in common. Uh, it's not like an undergrad where you have one person on stage and they just talk the whole time and everybody takes feverish notes and they're the star of the show. Our faculty are stars, but they're stars because they have the humility and the commit and the, the equal uh, between humility and commitment, the commitment to making sure you get that return on investment and you get that get that learning experience. But the humility to say that if the best, the thing that you got out that class to get the point that she was trying to get across didn't come from the front of the room and came from your classmate, they're okay with that. Yeah. And that in itself makes, makes what you describe happen. Then from talking about my, my leader, uh, Dr. Suzanne Carter and also my teammate, Dr. Little Lacoste and all the other team members we've had over the years are equal, being equally committed to the process. Uh, providing a uh, learning experience where all the student has to do is show up prepared. You come prepared. Doesn't mean you know all the answers mm -hmm. coming, but you're at least prepared enough to know what questions to ask. And if you launch do that, the books, materials, the online access, the food, all the classroom, the faculty, everything is going to be the parking pass. All that's taken care of. There's no standing in line or going online, having to register for your classes. There's no having to do all this other stuff like you had to do on your own in undergrad or what you have to do if you're in a different uh, MBA program um, that is like for full-time MBAs at other institutions. That's taken care of. All you have to do is come prepared and be open. Going back to what we talked about before, as long as you open to the fact that I may not know and it's okay, there's someone in the room that does. And therefore, I'm okay with that day not being that person. But then there will be a day where I do know, and I'm all just as equally okay with sharing the wealth and helping them get to where I am. And as long as you come prepared and you're open, then the 18 months go by real fast, and you sit, look back and say, "Can we do that again?" And you know, and I tell people this all the time. Knowing what I know now, and the value I got out of the program. If I knew that when I started, I'd have been willing to pay double what I paid, which I know the education system loves hearing that. But <laughs> they pay double? This is great. Now, if y'all go jump tuition to 200000 there's going to be a lot of people mad at me right now, right? right? But, but no, that is, I, I mean, the value goes beyond a financial number of what I got out of there. Right. And that's the reason I've been so passionate about the program and being on the board and referring people to the program and just saying, look, Talk to my man Kevin. He he he'll give you the tour. Give you, he'll give you what you need to know. And if you really want to do a program that's going to make a difference in your life, not just in business, but as a human being, this is this is where you go. You go to TCU right. Executive MBA program, and you talk to Kevin Davison. He's gonna hook you up. Right. And then at about 60 days into it, you're going to be like, I should have never listened to Jerry Fan's <laughs> podcast because I don't have a life and I don't have a life anywhere right. in the forefront of what's in front of me. You right. know, but everybody experiences the same thing. Right. Right. And, and guess what? When you go through it, there's been a lot of people that came before you and they made it. And there's going to be a right. lot of people that come after you and made it. That's right. So, man, your journey. Hmm. Come from where you came from to where you're at now question I love to ask people 
is if you could go back and talk to 22-year-old self, mm-hmm. knowing what you know in life. Now, I know that you, we could probably fill this notebook with mm-hmm. all kinds of, hey, do this, don't do this. Or well, as one of my guests said is, hey, on September 12th of 2006, don't go out. <laughs> 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 but if you could go back and talk to 22-year-old Kevin Davis mm-hmm. and say, if this one thing, what would you go back and tell 22-year-old Kevin? I would say uh, don't be afraid of embrace being only. I'll put it that way. And don't be afraid to be different. Those two things. Um, only is a part of my story. You know, how many black men, you know, has a spot next to his. Well, next to his <laughs> I mean, any, I, I can't commit a crime because I'll be easily identified. <laughs> so but embrace being only, but also be not afraid to be different because your uniqueness is what is is also associated with your value, yeah. whether it be as an individual, whether it be as a business, or whether it be as a university, business school, whatever. So you have to embrace being different and understand the value associated with it. But in doing that, there will be times where you'll be the only one. And But yet, if you're doing the right things, head down the right path, you won't be the only one forever. And because yeah. you'll find a different connection that will bring other people and attract them to you. So that's why I would say, I think uh, in the education world uh, or sector, that's what we're faced with. Because when someone says, okay, well, are you online or not? I say, well, everybody's online. And if you're not, no matter if there is a COVID-19 or not, um, we've gone too many months of doing it both. You know, in our case, we have people in, in the classroom as well as people uh, participating online. We have to be open to the fact that, okay, th- how do we make this work? Moving forward, when there's not an excuse of, okay, we got health concerns, all that. No, it's more of, is this something that we can do? And if that's the case, then competition is not just DFW or Texas. It's, you know, national or global. So, therefore, you have to think differently. So, that's why, you know, but if we're the only ones who are comfortable with having just 30 students in the classroom, no matter where they are, and we still are the only ones that do things a certain way because it is what makes us unique and what makes us different. And as a group of people that see value in that, we should be comfortable with that. But at the same time, we have to be open to opportunity about what's the best way to do that. And that's what we're doing. Man. Well, sound advice. And, uh, and again, thank you for being not just here and gifting us with your time for the listeners, but man, Thanks for being one of my people oh, no. that I Thank can you count for being on. One of mine. Man, appreciate it. Man, I, I tell you, I have the utmost admiration and respect for you, and I always value the words that you give me, even when you're telling me what. I, like, <laughs> man, that's not why I called you. And you're like, well, then you shouldn't have picked up the phone and dialed me. Here's the deal. <laughs> and uh, but I've had to say that in a while. Though. No, 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 no. Careful what you ask for. <laughs> Well, so we got listeners out there that are interested in TCU's executive MBA program. What what, what do they do? Where do they go? How do they do this? What's Uh, the best way? Our website is emba.tcu.edu. Just select start the conversation. Um, There's a form there. Just provide your contact information and I'll be in touch uh, right away. Either myself or Catherine Baker, uh, who uh, will reach out to new prospects. But if uh, you can do that, um, we also have preview webinars. Um, uh, we are off for the rest of the year. We just have one on Veterans Day. Again, thank you for your service. Uh, thank you for being worth that. it. <laughs> uh, thank you. And then um, I, um, 
Uh, well, our next preview webinar will be January 27th. Uh, Dr. Laura Mead will be talking about supply chains are everywhere, particularly when you're getting stuff delivered to your house. <laughs> <laughs> A lot uh, of truth in that one right, right now. Right, yeah. right. Uh, and, uh, but yeah, I would say uh, that's the best way to reach me. Uh, of course, you can reach out to Jeremy. He knows where to find me as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, definitely, if you're thinking about uh, investing in yourself, uh, Building your network, uh, expanding your uh, your business acumen, uh, being comfortable with finding out what you don't know and putting it in pl- putting it in action, then uh, reach out to me. Yeah. And for the listeners out there, as y'all hear me say it over and over, go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. Click on podcasts. You'll see Kevin Davis on there. You'll click on him and that'll give all the information about TCU and the executive MBA program, the ability to download this and for all of y'all that enjoyed it, and even if you didn't enjoy it, I don't care because my man <laughs> is coming back on here because we've got other things that, I mean. Look, yeah, we, we, we didn't even get to the real stuff. We, we didn't even get to the real stuff. Look, yeah. I mean, an hour No, real estate. No, because yeah. w- one thing on that one, uh, just, just to throw it out there. Yeah. What would happen if uh, real estate firms merged with a technology company and an electronics retailer? No, what you learn about by association. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, it's not just about the building anymore. And also work has moved home. So how do you connect the commercial building to the home office? And what it all, because all these pieces that we're doing, dealing with right now, it makes it, I mean, just to go from one call to the next, no, it takes time. That's easier than it was 10 years ago, of course. But yet, you know, the lines have changed. Because again, that's what about that openness. You know, yeah. what we've defined as real estate before, does that need to change a little bit? How many rooms do you need now? Mm-hmm. It's not just about bedrooms. Now it's about offices. Yeah. <laughs> it's about yeah. play spaces in addition. You know, so I don't know. I, 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 we have to get into that next time because that's, uh, you know, some exploration has to be done, you know, and how we use our spaces and in order to accommodate what, again, whether it's COVID-19 or not, I don't think there's going to be a reverse to. Or when COVID-20 comes. And everybody's right. like, what's COVID-20? I was like, well, we had 18, 17, 16, 14. <laughs> we're in 19. 20 is right, bound right. to come. Right, right. right. Well, and, right. and that's why, for the listeners out there, right. you're going to, Kevin's going to be a repeat guest because Kevin just has not just the experience at TCU, but much more other experience. And we got other great ideas to talk about. And I'm quite honestly, I can see you and I partnering up to do something together That'd be good. in the future. Good. And I would love it because I trust you. Mm. I trust and you. trust right. is right. is huge, man. I mean, I get, when you can really look at someone and say, I trust you and you feel right. the goosebumps because that's how much emotion is in it. Right. That's the truth, man. And right. man, I, because I, I trust you not only with doing the right direction, but also trust you telling me, no, man, that's a stupid idea, man. I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, what were you? How much were you right. drinking when you came up with this one? So, and, and then, again, I haven't had to say that in law. Right, I, <laughs> I got more. I got better at that awareness. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, thanks for coming, man. Thanks, I appreciate, man. I appreciate it. it. Yeah. Thank you. Good. I, I,